Podcast presented by Brothers Comics. I am your host, the producer um, of this podcast. Now, normally, if you've been a longtime listener of this podcast, you would hear me do an introduction and handing off to uh, Big Hotcher and the Sandman. Uh, but we've just had a little bit of trouble getting everybody together. And with the start of training camp, I definitely wanted to get a podcast out there to kind of give you guys a little heads up on our thinking as um, as camp has gotten started. Um, the Bengals are in camp. Uh, I think they completed day five. They had an off day yesterday. And so we're just going to go over some of the main topics from the, uh, the first five days of practice and kind of give my thoughts on it, some of those topics or whatever. So it's all alone, just a producer. Uh, isolation set. All right. So first down, uh, everybody reported to camp healthy. That's probably the biggest part. Um, Tyler Eifert came to camp and was not able or wasn't restricted in his working out uh, for the first time in a while. Um, and that's a huge deal for the Bengals. If Tyler Eifert can stay healthy, um, one, he's going to earn a huge payday, whether it be from the Bengals or somebody else. And two, it's adds such a dimension to the Bengals offense. It's going to make it very difficult for them to double team AJ uh, if Tyler Eifert has the middle of the field all wide open. So yay, Tyler Eifert is back. The other person that's off back and healthy is Giovanni Bernard. Giovanni Bernard tore up his knee in November, yet somehow he has made it back, uh, did not go on pup, no practice restrictions, and, you know, from reports out there, he was already doing jump cuts and everything. I mean, everybody was fairly amazed at the recovery time for Giovanni Bernard. Um, he, again, adds such a dimension to the offense and his ability to run the ball and to catch the ball. Um, so it's amazing that he was able to come back um, in eight months without restrictions. I, I think a lot of people thought he was going to wind up coming back to camp slowly and then maybe ease into the season. I don't think anybody was thinking that he was going to go on pup, but I do think that they were going to kind of limit carries, limit his workload as he w- made his way back. Um, it's kind of funny, Giovanni Bernard already tore up his other knee, so I'm sure he was familiar with what the rehab process is. He's fairly a young back still, too, so he has that going for him as well. So welcome back, Gio. The other um, not restricted or maybe a little bit more restricted, he didn't wind up on puck, is the wide receiver. And I always keep wanting to call him Josh Brown as John Ross. He was able to come back as well. Um, Now, he is still working his way back from the torn labrum surgery. Um, So I think he's actually participating in practice, no contacts, though. Um, and there's been some reports out there that he's been trying to get some extra time in with Andy Dalton after practice uh, because of his limited ability to practice with everybody else. But it doesn't appear that he is going to be restricted or on pop or anything like that for the start of the season. So he will be able to get out onto the field with everybody else once the preseason games start here in about a week or so. Um, so that's pretty awesome for the Bengals. The first part of camp, nobody of real note has been injured, um, except for Andre and Big Hodge causing um, 
Third Titty, I think is his nickname. Uh, nobody's really been hurt. He's missed, uh, a, of the five practices, I think he's missed three of them. Uh, I think due to elbow surgery or an elbow injury or something to that effect. Remember, he is coming off a torn pectoral from his one season in Minnesota, and his transition to guard um, is going to be hampered if he can't get in there. I believe Trey Hopkins is going into right guard at this point in time um, and replacing him, and Andre's been getting some work at backup right tackle behind. Um, gosh, I forgot his name really fast. So, yeah. So let's see what happens with Andre Smith. I don't know if he's actually going to wind up at that right guard spot. He mind up, might wind up being the backup. Trey Hopkins is somebody that they've been high on. He's somebody that's been in the system for a very long time, working his way up through the practice squad. They've been cut a couple of times. So, yeah, um, a good looking out, but no real injuries of note, thank God. As I heard today as I was driving home from work, that Ryan Tannehill possibly tore his knee and there's a possibility that he could be out. So the Bengals have definitely made it through the first part of camp without any significant injuries. And we um, we hope they can keep that going. All right. Second down. Uh, let me see. Sorry. Lost my note there for a second. Oh, uh, second round draft pick Joe Mixon is dazzling people in camp. Um, this is really not a surprise. If he doesn't have the domestic violence incident, he's a top five talent. Okay. I mean, nobody's going to deny that his talent is um, kind of off-worldly. So the fact that he's dazzling people in camp is not that big of a surprise. You know, his size-speed combination is uh, unmatched in most areas. Uh, he's very much like Adrian Peterson. Hopefully he won't, you know, go out and father a bunch of kids or whatever. But he's very much that way. He's super young. He's super fast. He's super quick. And he's super strong. He is going to wind up being a superstar on this team if, and there's a big if here, dot, 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 if Marvin Lewis and the coaches decide to play him. We all know that Marvin Lewis prefers veterans. He doesn't want to pick anybody out there. This happened to Giovanni Bernard when he came in. It also happened to Jeremy Hill. Because they were rookies, he didn't put them in, and he had a veteran in front of them who was clearly not as good, whether it was Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, whoever it is. So, and I love Marvin Lewis's thing. Oh, well, you know, they don't know the blocking schemes, which is important. Don't get me wrong. I don't want Andy Dalton to get killed because a running back missed a block or whatever. But you got to have these dudes out on the field because they're better than the person that's ahead of them. So it does create this situation at the running back. You really have three starters at running back. You really do. Okay. Uh, I would imagine that unless something happens, Jeremy Hill will make it through camp and he will make it as the starter. Jeremy Hill is also in a contract year as well. He is auditioning, whether it be in the preseason or early in the season, for a job next year or a possible trade. Um, because I don't know how long you're going to be able to keep Joe Mixon on the bench. It's just, I, I just can't see it. Do you keep him for the whole season and have Jeremy Hill wind up being your goal line guy? Yeah, that's a possibility. He's really no, he's good at the goal line. He can get in there really quickly. But how many carries are you going to give Jeremy Hill knowing when you got a stud and Joe Mixon sitting on the bench. I mean, you're going to have to get Mixon carries. I mean, he has to get somewhere between 10 to 15 carries a game. And then you still got to get Geo touches as well. I mean, hopefully if everybody stays healthy, that our offense should give um, defensive coordinators absolute nightmares. Because with a healthy Tyler Eifert, with a healthy A.J. Green, with those running backs – um, with a healthy John Ross, I mean, like, who are you going to double? T 
Tyler Boyd's in the slot. I mean, what are you going to do? I, I just, I'm, I'm very curious, and hopefully we can get back to a little bit of that 2015 offense where everybody was kicking on all cylinders. Andy Dalton was an MVP candidate before he broke his thumb. Let's never talk about that again. Hopefully uh, we are headed in that general direction. Everything's going to be turned on, hey, can the tackles protect Andy Dalton? Can the offensive line protect Andy Dalton? But a way to protect the Andy Dalton is to be able to run the ball. And Joe Mixon can run the ball. I'm not so sure about Jeremy Hill anymore. He's still got those tap stutter steps. He's not hitting the hole like he used to in his rookie season. And if he's still doing that and still getting us 2.3 yards of carry, he needs to go sit on the bench till you get to the goal line and then let Mixon and Giovanni Bernard handle it. So unless somebody gets injured, I can't imagine that. Um, I can't imagine that anybody starts besides Jeremy Hill. He, he's going to get the start because Marvin's going to prefer the veteran. But hopefully as the season goes on, um, he gets moved out and we get more and more touches and carries for Joe Mixon. All right, third down. Gosh darn it, I moved my note again. Here we go. Third down. Uh, Pac- Adam Pacman Jones was suspended by the league for one game, which will be the first opening game up against the Ravens um, at the start of the season. Uh, we've been very clear on this podcast that we thought that Adam Jones should have been uh, removed from the team. Um, his actions, his verbal altercation, his everything has not exactly been um, a great shining example for the Cincinnati Bengals. There's been too many people talking about Adam Jones what he does off the field as opposed to what he's done on the field. And that's a, a return to the old Pac-Man. You know, for a couple of years there, where he had kept his nose clean. He was quiet. People were talking about how well he had done as a football player. Now, as he's starting to get a little bit older, we're starting to see those Adam Jones stories again in the news. And he just had a really bad offseason. Uh, again, I thought he should have been removed from the team. Marvin didn't do it. Mike Brown had his back. You know, I know if you saw some of the um, the press conference with him talking about his love for Mike Brown and Mike Brown sticking in his corner and how he's super motivated now to do what he's supposed to do for Mike Brown. Yeah, that's all great and fine and dandy. It really, really is. But you can't be doing these types of things. He is an older corner. And so now he's getting suspended for the first game of the season. So we all know that Drake Kirkpatrick is going to start on the one side. It comes down to if it's going to be DeQuarz Denard or William Jackson III starting on the opposite corner. Uh, William Jackson III, from reports, has done well in camp, but he's also really a rookie because he didn't get any snaps at all last year, not even in the preseason because he was hurt in camp. So I don't know if you're going to stick him out there on the first game of the season, but it's also against the Ravens, who knows who's going to be their quarterback. We'll get to that when we swing around the AFC North. Um so it seems like probably uh, Darquez Denard will get the start uh, for that first game of the season. William Jackson goes into the slot, but who actually knows? Um, but we do, again, the Bengals have done such a great job of drafting corners and really being able to put them on a redshirt program so they haven't had to play. Now, some of them hadn't had to play because of injury, like Denard and Jackson, and sometimes they held people back like they did with Drake Kirkpatrick because there was older first-round picks ahead of them whether it been Terrence Newman or, um, gosh knows, I don't know, or, or Leon Hall. So now you got these young kids. They're ready. Both of them are at least Donards in a contract year, so he's looking to get his money. Um, Jackson looking to prove himself. So hopefully they are able to hold up 
the Cincinnati Bengals secondary was much better in the second half of the year as it was to the first half where there were just bombs and bombs being dropped over their head, especially in the Denver game. But they were able to shut that down in the second half of the season, primarily with George Ioka calling the calls in the back as they were getting adjusted. Now, George Ioka did get injured. I forgot about that. He did get injured in the first part of camp. People thought the knee injury was much more serious than it was, but he was able to get through. Um, and so him and Sean Williams should be back there manning the secondary at the start of the season uh, without any real harm. So hopefully um, they can cover up for that. And really the Ravens don't have any real, real threats at wide receiver. Um, so, and again, who's going to, who's going to be quarterback in them? It's really all up in the air. So, yeah. So, yeah, Pac-Man, you got lucky for only getting one game. I thought it was going to be more. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I'm really – I'm kind of over the Pac-Man thing. Hopefully he can turn it around this year, but if he can't, it won't be a surprise. Fourth down. Uh, Vontek Burfick is being Vontez Burfick. Wow, he came into camp because he is also in a contract year in the best shape of his life. Everybody's saying that. Uh, that's not a real surprise. It's also one of the first off-seasons that he's been able to come into – without either coming into a suspension or coming off of a suspension or coming off of an injury. So he was able to off-season off train, uh, off train fully. And again, everybody's like, oh, this dude's in the best shape of his life. He's moving. He's fast or whatever. He's putting thumps on people in practice. That's just Vontez. But when you get the good Vontez for that, you also get the bad Vontez too. Whereas uh, the other day he, in a non-hitting drill, a non-tackling drill, he winds up hitting Giovanni Bernard in and around his surgically repaired knee, which led to a huge scrum of a fight on the field. Uh, the running back coach got in his face. He pushed the running back coach and the offensive lineman going after Vontez. I mean, it was not a good look, but that is what you get with Vontez. You get the good and the bad. You, you don't want that edge that he plays with to be dulled too much. Because if he doesn't play with that edge, he's not going to be the same player. However, him with that edge does lead to personal foul penalties. And in this instance, almost or possibly hurting one of your best players who just came back from an injury. Uh, so it's just it's just not a good look for him. But with him there, with Vontez there and being healthy, with um, Nick Vigil now being there, with the linebacker that we signed from Arizona there, we are a much younger, healthier, and more athletic defense. Um, you know, in the past, God bless uh, Ray Maluka, um, but he was a liability really on, I was going to say on third down, but he was really a liability first through third down. I don't know if there's ever been a more overhyped Cincinnati Bengal draft pick who did not live up to the expectation. We all thought we were getting the dude from USC and he just was never that dude. And I'm talking about never. I mean, he made maybe a couple of plays. If there's a play that you'd be like, oh, that time the Bontez Burfick did this, I would be really surprised. Um, but now with Nick Vigil, who's somebody that can stay in there, he's a three-down linebacker. Kevin Minter, although you don't necessarily want him in there for all three downs, he could play three-down linebackers as he mans the middle. So we're so much better there. And then up front, we have uh, Andrew Billings next to Geo. Carlos Dunlap, and then Michael Johnson, who also has been on the getting the veterans um, uh, rest day. He has been out a couple of days, too. So um, hopefully he's going to be there. You know, I can't imagine that he and Wallace Gilberry are going to both make the team um, with the younger uh, defensive ends that they have on the team. One of them's going to have to go. 
I would probably say it's going to be Wallace Gilberry, but I'm not 100% sure. Last year they did cut him and he signed with Detroit, and then he wound up back in Cincinnati by the midseason. So um, let's see what happens there. But overall, the front seven is a lot better than it was last year with Pecco and Maluga out of there um, with, oh, geez, what was the dude that they signed from the Browns who was awful, the linebacker? No, this is why I need other people on the podcast. Well, he sucked, too. And he signed with Arizona, too. I can't believe that somebody actually signed that dude again. But we should be better there, along with the two draft picks, especially Carl Lawson, who's probably going to get a lot of reps at outside linebacker or rush defensive end on third down. This defense should be a lot better. They should be a lot faster, should be a lot quicker, and a lot more athletic, and a lot be able to get some pressure on the quarterback and get people on the ground. All right. So that was fourth down. My other topic here that was not there is that we still have this situation with Marvin Lewis being a lame duck coach this year. Now, everybody knows and understands, and if you listen to the prognosticators, that the Bengals could make another fall from where they did from last year where they were 6-9-1 and one, or worse. Or there's this turnaround where they wind up turning it into something like eight and eight or nine and seven. Or I mean, I saw some optimistic things up towards of eleven and five. I'm not sure if I'm there yet, but if they're able to turn it around, there's no doubt that Marvin Lewis is going to get a contract extension. Much to Big Hutch's chagrin, unless they win a playoff game, we're going to have the same conversation at the end of the season on if he's the person or if he's the coach to get him over the hump. In the past, I was probably a little bit more sure of letting Marvin walk because we had an in-house candidate, okay? Before, it was Mar- it was Mike Zimmer. I was like, okay, well, if Marvin goes on, then Zim can be the coach. But that didn't happen. He winds up in Minnesota. As much as I was not a fan of Jay Gruden, some people liked him as a head coach, and he took the Washington to the playoffs. So, okay, no, Jay Gruden, he's also gone. Uh, Vance Joseph, who I think that they were trying to groom into a coach in waiting, winds up in defensive coordinator with the Dolphins and then winds up as head coach of the Broncos. So he's gone. So now you have a group of people on staff that I don't think any of them. And you know how Marvin Lewis or excuse me, Mike Brown would love to promote somebody from within. I don't think there's any in-house candidate that is ready to be a head coach. Paul Gunther, I wouldn't think that he's ready. And then the new defensive coordinator, Zampezi, he offensive coordinator, he's definitely not ready to be a head coach. So I cannot see a situation where Marvin Lewis gets blown out unless they go three and 13, four and 12, six and 10, something along those lines. You're going to have to have a, a major like win loss differential there for him to get blown out because Mark, Mike Brown doesn't like change. Marvin Lewis doesn't like change either, and I just think that you know they're very comfortable in this relationship. Whether that's a good thing or bad thing, it's a bad thing. It it it, it needs to kind of come to some sort of resolution. In my world, I would have already given Marvin the the, the extension. I would have. I'd have given him the one year extension to go ahead and out there, but so he doesn't have to go out there on this prove it deal. I think prove it deals are bad for coaches because the players know it's a prove-it deal, and a lot of times they will tune out the coach, and that's how you get shitty seasons. So, uh, and then I would just pay him if it went to hell. But again, Mike Brown ain't going to do that because he's Mike Brown, and they're a little bit cheap, a little bit. They're really, really cheap. So I just, 
I'd like to see what happens. Uh, I don't mind Marvin being on as the coach. I remember the dark days of the Empire where they couldn't win games and they were 3-13 and 13 and 4-12 and 12 all the time. He's come in. He's did a literal culture and climate change. If you blow him out and blow out the people that are associated with him and bring in somebody that's an unknown or somebody that Mike Brown feels comfortable with, we could wind up back in a very difficult situation. And that's not what I want to see for the Bengals. It's not what I want to see as a Bengal fan. So, <sighs> all right. All right, so let's swing it around the AFC North, and we've crossed about the 20-minute mark here. Um, I mentioned this before. Joe Flacco was out for the um, for the Ravens. He hurt his back somehow. I don't know if it was in off-season training or something along those lines, but he is out somewhere, I think I said, between six and eight weeks. That would put him right up close, maybe, from when this happened, maybe to play if he's recovered a little bit earlier playing in that Bengals game, that first game of the season, but it looks like he's definitely going to be out. Um, the Ravens had been having internal and external discussions about signing Colin Kaepernick as their backup because the other people that they have on the team are not real uh, quarterbacks. I think, hey, what's the kid? Uh, Ryan Mallett, I think, is the, the backup quarterback, and they're still going to – the other quarterbacks they've had are like undrafted people. So they talked about calling, signing in Colin Kaepernick, who knows – uh, they, the owner had talked to Ray Lewis to see if um, that was, an, you know, something that they could do. You know, just the side political topic we get on this. One, you shouldn't be using Ray Lewis as your moral compass for anything. Don't get me wrong. He was acquitted of double murder. Yay. Okay, so was OJ. He was also acquitted of double murder. And I don't see anybody going to OJ and asking them uh, uh, moral questions about what's right and what's wrong. So, if they sign Kyler Kaepernick, I'm somebody who believes in Colin Kaepernick and what he's done. I don't know necessarily about the football player and him coming in with a short camp and whatnot and going against the Bengals. I would prefer that as the first game of the season, but I'll take Ryan Mallett too. So yeah, so um, the Ravens are going to be in a little bit of trouble. They have they have still been in a transition really since Ray Lewis retired. You don't lose a Hall of Fame player like that and just bounce back immediately. It just doesn't happen. You can't take that player out of the team and community, not community, the team and the locker room and expect everything to be hunky-dory again. It's just not going to work. Uh, and they're they're in that still that transition. They uh, they lost, um, uh, what's Elvis Dumerville? He's gone. Terrell Suggs is on his last legs as well. I think their running back retired because he was there. His right tackle retired because he didn't want to get concussions and he wanted to do a PhD program. There's a lot of turmoil swirling around the Ravens. Um, and now you don't have your quarterback. I would say franchise quarterback, but we all know Joe Flacco's not a franchise quarterback. All right. Let's swing it around to the Steelers. That's S-T-E-A-L-E-R-S. And the Steelers, the, probably the biggest news that's come out of camp with them is, one, that Le'Veon Bell is not in camp. He has the franchise tag. He doesn't want to sign it. Uh, he thinks that he's more than a running back, and signing the franchise tag is not going to get him the money that he wants. We all know Le'Veon Bell is not going to sit out the season because none of these guys can sit out the season because that's a lot of money to leave on the table. I'm not sure what the franchise tag is for a running back, but he ain't leaving all that money on the table. So he will be, uh, I'm sure he'll show up to camp when he's physically necessary. Dude is a game-changing back. Uh, I would prefer that he sat the season out. That would be awesome, but it's not going to happen. You know, and I can understand the Steelers, too. One, he's a running back, and two, he's been kind of injury-prone. He's missed good portions of seasons over the time that he's been playing. So I'm not sure how much money I would invest in him, but when he is on the field, he changes the total dynamic of their team. Uh, with his ability to run and catch the ball. So, yeah, I could, I, I totally get why 
Um, he would want more money, but I can totally see why the Steelers wouldn't want to pay him either. Um, their other news from the Steelers camp is that drama queen uh, Ben Roethlisberger talking about he's going to retire at the end of the 2018 season. I would assume that'd have to be at the end of this season, but we all know that Ben loves drama. And if people aren't talking about him, he's going to make people talk about him. Whether it's a broken foot or whatever they said that he had one time or hand, I don't even remember. His drama when he does get hit, the crawling off the field. He's just a big fucking baby. Now, again, if he does retire, that would be awesome because I'm tired of seeing him. And I would love to see the Steelers go into the tank for a few years like they did in the early early 90s, in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, because I really think the whole team is built on, on Ben Roethlisberger. But... I, he ain't retiring. I I can't see it. He talked about doing it at the end of this season, and now he's saying he's going to do it at the end of next season. Don't don't believe that. Ben Roethlisberger really has no career outside of football. Like, because literally, like, what is he going to do? He's can barely formulate sentences, so he's not going to be good for TV. Um, he's ugly, so he can't transition into anything else. So I mean, it's just he has to play football, and he's going to play until the wheels fall off. So uh, whatever. Fuck Ben Roethlisberger. All right. And the Browns. The Browns, uh, really no news there. They haven't named their starting quarterback yet. Nobody really knows. It'll probably wind up being Deshaun Kaiser because I think they're going to go down with the people that brought them there. Um, I could see them maybe going back with Cody Kessler but, uh, or the, guy, the quarterback that they got from the Texans. But that's going to be the biggest thing with the Browns. Until they can figure that out in some sort of long-term permanent solution, it's always going to be the same. So, you know, so they got their number one draft pick. Let's see if he can rush the quarterback. They got the kid from Michigan. Let's see if he gets a safety linebacker, running back. I don't know what the hell he is, and I don't know that they do either. You know, They've been able to stockpile some talent and to stockpile some draft picks. So in a perfect world, they would be a team that is on the rise and on the move, but it's the Browns. You know, most attempts that they've had to make to try to get better, either get thwarted internally or externally by the owner or by injury or something like that. You know, there is a LeBron did not remove the entire curse from Cleveland when the Cavs won that championship. So, yeah, not hopefully. Hopefully they can't. Yeah, hopefully they don't do anything. Hopefully they're still the Browns. Hopefully we can get two W's away from them just like we always do. And they continue to be the Browns. You know, that'll be a shame for Hugh Jackson because he's going to get run. Probably if they struggle early in the season, he's going to get run. I didn't look at their schedule or not, but if they go anywhere from like 0 and probably 3 to 0 and 5 to start, he's going to get run out of town on a rail. And, you know, and again, it's going to be another reboot, restart for the Cleveland Browns. So, all right. So that's our swing around in the AFC North, and that's going to wrap up this podcast of Who Day Over 40. I'm going to pull this one, Who Day Over 40. Uh, versus camp opening versus the camp opening. Uh, you'll be able to find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Uh, rate, review, and dis- uh, subscribe. Uh, you can check us all out at brotherscomics.com. That's B-R-O-T-H-A-S-C-O-M-I-C-S.com. Brothers Comics, we really do a lot of stuff on, you know, kind of nerdly th- types of things, comics, movies, comic book movies, those types of things. But we dabble into sports and we dabble into other forms of entertainment. So you can check us out there. You can check out the Who Day Over 40 Facebook page at just search Facebook for Who Day Over 40. You can find us there. You can find us at the Who Day Over 40 Twitter feed as well. All kinds of information to check you out for the Bengals. 
I am based in Florida, and we are planning a Who Day Over 40 trip to Jacksonville for the Jacksonville game. Uh, more information on that will be coming, so if you want to get in contact with me for that, check me out on the Facebook page or check me out. Uh, you can email me at brotherscomics at gmail.com. All right, so that's going to wrap it up. As the Bengals fight song takes us out, I am the producer of this podcast, and we'll see you guys on the other side. Who day?